Um, as our kids are making their way, I want to encourage you to make your way um, to Acts chapter 28. And if you are new with us, and, and many of you are tonight, we're so thankful you're here. You know that we are walking our way through um, this early Christian narrative, the book of Acts. And tonight we come to our final scene in the book of Acts from Acts chapter 28. And we will take a look at it together. And as is our custom at Grace Fellowship, we'll be pairing uh, this reading with a reading from the opposite testament, in this case, um, the book of Lamentations, chapter 3. So would you listen closely, would you listen carefully um, to this God's word, first from Lamentations, chapter 3. Verse 22, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies, they never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. And from Acts chapter 28. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. And when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, Though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty, because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. And they said to him, We have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we do desire to hear from you what your views are, for which regard to this, which for with regard to this sect we know that everywhere it is spoken against. When they appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear. And their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. And Paul lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This is the word of the Lord. 
Let's pray together. Lord, in your kindness and in your mercy, we now ask by the power of your spirit that you would do the thing that only you can do. Lord, would you take these words that are here in your word? Would you shine light on them? Would you shine light on places in our hearts where the light needs to be shown? Lord, would you take these words that I've prepared and shine light on them also and use them, we pray, to great effect in our hearts and in our souls. And Lord, would you use them to give us great hope in our Lord Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Last week, as we looked at Acts chapter 27, I posed a question to you that I think was a good question for Acts 27, and I want to pose the same question to you because I think it's a good question also for Acts 28. And here's the question. How are you and I going to make it through? How are we going to make it through? How are we going to make it through to all the things that our Lord God has called us to? Like, how will we do it? How are we going to make it? How are we going to make it through to all the things our Lord has called us to? How could it be said of our life, at the end of our life, that we were faithful? That we made it? You see, I am a passionate, blood-pumping, full-hearted guy. But I'll be honest with you. As I get a little older, I'm less interested in achieving things. And I'm more interested in being found faithful. And here in Acts chapter 28, we get a scene where we get to see the Apostle Paul faithfully completing this sense of calling that the entire story of Acts really has been about. See, in Acts chapter 1, we learn that the gospel is going to go forth to all the nations, even to the very ends of the earth. The gospel is going to move and go forth. And here, in this scene, we get to the very end, Acts chapter 28. And in Acts chapter 28, we learn that the gospel has indeed gone forth all the way to the very heart of Rome. To the very end of the earth. And it will only go further and further from this scene forward. And the good news of Jesus has advanced it's advanced through all kinds of dangers and toils and snares. The Apostle Paul is called in Acts chapter 9 to be God's chosen instrument who will both endure great suffering, but he'll also be a means by which the gospel gets preached all the way to the ends of the earth. And in this scene, we see that he finally made it there. He made it through beatings and lashings and imprisonments and shipwrecks and awkward public confrontations and scenes of preaching and battling powers of death and darkness and occultic figures and, and just dangers, toils, and snares. And here in this scene, 
He's made it. How? How did he make it through? How will you and I make it through to all the things that our Lord has called us to? Well, that's what we'll explore in our time together tonight. And here's the main thing I want you to hear. If you don't hear anything else I say, this is the main thing I want you to hear. It's really a simple idea. It will be God's faithfulness that will carry you through. What we'll see in this scene in just two phrases, the Apostle Paul preaching in verse 31 with all boldness and him fulfilling his ministry without hindrance. In those two phrases, all boldness without hindrance, I think we get a snapshot of just how it is that our Lord is faithful to us. So let's explore these phrases together. Look with me again at verse 31 of Acts chapter 28. We'll actually back up to verse 30. He lived there two whole years at his own expense. And he welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Let's take this first phrase, all boldness. As you trace the apostles' story in this story of Acts, one of the things that stands out throughout the narrative is just their just unflinching boldness in their witness for Jesus. In Paul, we see it written just in highlight, in in bold terms, just his boldness. We see Paul's boldness everywhere. I mean, there's a scene where he encounters this magician, sort of an occultic figure who's using dark powers to manipulate people, and it's the Apostle Paul who just walks right up and tells him that Jesus is king over all and just confronts him with boldness. We see Paul in all these towns and cities speaking to the different idolatrous uh, patterns and, and aspirations and dreams of these people in these towns and cities, and he just preaches about how all satisfaction can be found in Jesus, and he does it just with all boldness. Throughout this narrative, we see the Apostle Paul in a prison. And in the prison, he's singing songs, rejoicing, and he's preaching the gospel in the prison, and he's doing it with all Boldness. He's doing this privately. He's doing it publicly. He's doing it semi-privately and semi-publicly. Everywhere we see Paul move and go, he just is proclaiming the good news of Jesus, and he's doing it so boldly. And it just makes you ask the question, like, what's going on here? How is it that the apostle Paul is marked with such boldness? And the truth of the matter is, is the apostle Paul can proclaim Christ so boldly, he can do it because the Lord himself has been so faithful. You see, it's Jesus who gives the strength. It's Jesus who gives the words to speak. It's Jesus all along beside him, being faithful to his promises that empowers this boldness. There's a scene in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, and remember Luke 
the gospel writer is the same Luke writing the book of Acts here. And in chapter 12 of Luke, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he's preparing them for what's to come. And he tells them in particular that you're going to be drugged in front of courtrooms and tribunals. You're going to be called upon in dangerous situations to bear witness to my name. And then the Lord Jesus says to his disciples, but you don't need to be afraid that you won't know what to say. Because I will show you exactly what you are to say. You see, it's Jesus, crucified, risen, ascended, reigning, and ruling, who is giving Paul the strength that he needs to fulfill his calling. See, there is no power of hell. There is no scheme of man. There is no trick or tactic of darkness or the devil, of sin and death, that can thwart our Lord from perfectly fulfilling his promises. And it's Jesus' very strength being given to Paul that empowers this bold witness. Paul makes it through to all the things that he's been called to do because the Lord Jesus himself is faithful to every single promise. Look at this second phrase. With all boldness and without hindrance. See, Paul's situation here is he's finally made it to Rome, but he's under a kind of house arrest. He's able to live in a house, we're told, at his own expense. In other words, out of Paul's personal money, he's able to rent a house in Rome. But there's a prison guard that's literally chained to him day in and day out. Every four hours, the guard would be changed over, and a new guard would be literally attached to Paul. I mean, can you imagine that for a second? Can you imagine being chained to the Apostle Paul? Um, There's a place in the book of Philippians where Paul brags when he writes a letter, by the way, all the prison guards have to listen to me now. Because they're, they're, literally, they're literally chained to him. And he's, he's sitting here in Rome in his private house, under house arrest, and he's able to fulfill his ministry, and the phrase is without hindrance, which is an interesting phrase because it definitely feels like the Apostle Paul has been hindered, doesn't it? I read this for you last week, but let me just remind you of the kind of obstacles and hindrances that Paul seemed to have in his life. This is when he writes from 2 Corinthians. He says, I've had greater labors, more imprisonments, countless beatings, often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. If you're good at math, that's 39. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. 
Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I was adrift at sea. I was on frequent journeys. I was in danger from rivers. I was in danger from robbers. In danger from my own people. Danger from Gentiles. Danger in the city. Danger in the wilderness. Danger at sea. Danger from false brothers. In toil and hardship. Through many sleepless nights. In hunger and thirst. Often without food. In cold and exposure. And apart from all of that. I've had this daily pressure that I've felt, my anxiety for all the churches. It doesn't sound like without hindrance to me. And even here at the end of his life, he's, he's chained to a guard. But when he's in this same imprisonment, he writes that I might be chained, but the word of God is unchained. What does he mean? Well, as he's chained to this guard in this imprisonment, he's writing a book that you find in your New Testament called Ephesians. In Ephesians, he's writing about how there's a love of Christ that surpasses all understanding, that it's high and it's deep, it surpasses all knowledge, that you can be filled with all the fullness of God, that by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, this is a gift of God, and all the other things he writes in Ephesians. And while he's in this imprisonment, he's, he's writing the book of Philippians. He's writing the book of Philippians and he's talking about there's a power in knowing Jesus, that all the things he had in his life he counts as lost compared to the surpassing value of knowing Jesus. He writes when he's in this imprisonment that we can rejoice in the Lord always, regardless of our trials. When he's in this imprisonment, he writes the book of Colossians. He writes the book of Philemon. He kind of gets out of this imprisonment and back in another one. He writes 1 Timothy, and he writes 2 Timothy, and he writes Titus. See, the word of God was unchained, even as Paul was experiencing chains. And once again, the promise of God is that his word does not return void. But in fact, it goes out and it accomplishes every single thing that God sends it for. In other words, Paul is able to continue to minister without hindrance. And he's able to do that because nothing can thwart God's good promises for his people. There is no power of hell. There is no scheme of man. There's no trick of evil and sin and death and darkness that can stop God's precious promises for his people. See, it's the faithfulness of Jesus crucified, resurrected, ascending, and reigning. It's Jesus' faithfulness that helps Paul make it through. Do you see this? But what about you? What about you? See, in this room, we are Christians. This means, among other things, that we are made in the image of God, able to display God's glory in this world in a unique way. We're Christians, which means not only are we 
persons made in the image of God, but if we're Christians, we've been given the Spirit. The Spirit of God lives inside of us that has endowed us with gifts, gifts that we've been given in order to build up his body, in order to be those who go and make disciples of all nations. In other words, we're Christians, which means we and you and me and us We are spirit-enabled, gifted, called ministers of the gospel in this room. That's what you are. And the way that that plays out looks differently for all of us. For some of us, it's being a blessing to your coworkers tomorrow. For some of us, it's being a blessing to the students you teach. For some of us, it's preparing by learning and studying so that we can prepare our life to be a blessing. For some of you, it's serving your patients. For some of you, it's being a blessing to your clients. For some of you, it's doing your very best with little bitty children. For some of us, it's the players that you coach. For some of us, although Brooks isn't in the room, or Jackson, it's the tacos that you serve. For some of us, it's preparing to go, even to the ends of the earth. And we'll learn more about that as we get to pray and commission um, Liz Hale next week. But the truth of the matter is that your life has so much meaning. And my hunch is that you're not looking in your life for easy circumstances. But instead, you want to know that even in difficult circumstances, that it will mean something. Isn't that what you really want? And what I'm here to tell you is that it does. It means something. But how are you going to make it through? Because you're a Christian person, empowered by God's Spirit, to be a blessing in this world. But you are also going to experience a whole host of things. You're going to experience hardships of every kind. You're going to experience obstacles all along the way. You're going to experience trials. You're going to experience testing. You're going to experience hard circumstances. These things will feel to you like hindrances of every kind. To make matters worse, the vast majority of the difficult things, you'll have no explanation for why they went that way. To make matters worse, some of the difficult things that you'll experience will be because of your own foolishness. I know that in a room this size, and because I'm the pastor of this church and I can see some of the faces, I know that you might feel overwhelmed by it. There was a time when one of my kids got in too deep at the pool when they were little, And I'll never forget, as long as I live, the overwhelmed look in this child of mine's eyes. 
as they begin to sink. And I know that look because I see it in my own eyes sometimes and I see it in yours. And what I'm here to announce to you tonight, this is the gospel truth. You are not going to make it through because you just simply strike good fortune in your life and nothing bad happens to you. That won't be it. You won't make it through by sheer force of will to just power your way through every difficulty. It won't be that. But you will make it through with all boldness and without hindrance because there is nothing, nothing, nothing that can separate you from the love of God. And there is nothing, no power of hell, no scheme of man, no trick of the devil and sin and death and darkness that can hinder God's good purposes for your life. See, the same Jesus here all along empowering the Apostle Paul The same Jesus here all along making sure that not one bit of Paul's suffering is wasted. The same Lord Jesus Christ who's gone to the cross to pay the price for your sin, to make you right with God. The same Jesus Christ that makes, that has invited you into his family. The same Jesus Christ that has sent his spirit to make you alive. The same Jesus that has taken shame away and borne your guilt. The same Jesus Christ who promises all these things to the Apostle Paul is the same Jesus Christ who will faithfully be there for you. How are you going to make it through to all the things our Lord has called you to? You're going to make it through because of the faithfulness of Jesus. You can count on it. Let's pray together. Lord, as we've seen in your servant, Paul, Lord, as we've seen your faithfulness all along, Lord, we ask that you would encourage these, your people, in this room. Lord, I pray that your peace that surpasses all understanding would be lodged deep in our hearts. Lord, I pray that your strength that is made most perfect in our weaknesses, that we would take hold of that in fresh ways tonight. Lord, we thank you, as we read before, that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, and in fact, it's new every morning. So Lord, we rest tonight on your great, unchanging faithfulness. So with that strengthen us, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.